just turn, look around, see if you can see somebody whose name you don't know, and tell them, I think this is going to be a really good sermon. Okay, I'm talking about slaves or sons. Which one are you? Okay, now listen, ladies, if we can be, if guys can be the bride, you can be sons. Deal? Okay with that? We're the bride of Christ. I don't mind being Christ's bride. So uh, we're talking about sons. We know we've got sons and daughters, but we're going to talk about sons because the scripture talks about sons. And so that's an inclusive word today, and what's the difference between a son and a slave? I got a question asked me this week by someone who came to see me and said, so what does it mean to be a son? I'm going to start with the kids. Kids, any, any of you want to try to give an answer to that? What does it mean to be a son? I'm, gonna, I'm just going to wait and see if we got an answer while I'm looking for a, something to write with. Any ideas, kids? You want to answer that? Any kids? Okay, adults. What does it mean to be a son? What, what comes to mind when you think of the word son? Okay, you got a father. What else? Somebody said belong. Okay. Whoa, you're an heir. Why? What did you do to be an heir? What, what, did, you, what did you do good to get to be an heir? Zero. Yeah, you just, you just, you, you lucked out. You got in. That's a spiritual word, lucked out. Okay, what else? What else about a son? What comes to mind when you think son, daughter? Like? Your like. Ooh. Ooh. Like. Okay. You're loved. You're embraced. Good words. Okay. We, we could say a lot more. What about a slave? If you're a slave. Oh, Karen tells me not to be too loud. I'm sorry. That's, I'm, no one's ever told me that before. Slave. What does it feel? Bondage. Ooh. Fear. Bondage. Thankless. You just got to do your job. You got to do your job. When you've done everything, you just thankless. Yo, here. Okay, anything else? Your what? Your own. That's true. Okay. So this person came to me and said, what does it mean to be a son? There was a reason for asking that question. Because sometimes we don't feel like sons. Would that be true? Some of you sometimes feel real discouraged. It's not going well. You got bumps along the way, and you don't really feel like, oh, this is wonderful. God's pouring down his love. I feel embraced. I feel like I belong. I 
feel like I'm an heir, that everything's mine. Fear not, little flock, for it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I'm rich. I got everything I need. We have moments where we don't feel that way, right? We feel kind of wiped out. Why is it going this way? What, what, what went wrong? And we can feel more like a slave than like a son. Here's my question. Look at Romans. You need a Bible. There are Bibles here. If you don't have a Bible, you have to have access. You have to be able to see one. I've got about 12 of them here. You need Bibles. You have to be able to look at one and open it up to Romans 7. Everybody, anybody need a Bible back here? You've got to be able to see one. Don't tell Karen I threw it. Okay. You've got to see it. Romans 7. Here's my question. What word, the, the person that can find it the quickest, what word is used? You guys can share. See if you can be the first. Romans 7. What word is used 23 times in Romans chapter 7? If you, if, you, if you get it, you can shout it out. Law. That's right. The word law is used 23 times. Okay. How would you describe the person in Romans chapter 7? Is he pretty happy? Is he pretty content? Are things going good for him? Does someone want to answer that question real loud? Things are not going good for this guy. He is really, he's desiring. There's nothing wrong with desire. But he says, I, I can't pull it off. I try. I'm working at it. But it's not working for me. Paul's talking about the law in chapter 7. Some think it's pre-Christian Paul. Some think it's post-Christian. I think it's post-Christian. I think this is Paul the Christian struggling, like we all have to go through this. We all have to go through. We try the merit system for a while before we realize that that doesn't work, and we come into the mercy system, and we realize that works a lot better. The merit system says you do this. You try harder. You make it. You pull it off. You can do it. And so when I went to Steve's graduation, that's what they were preaching because that's all they had. Just try harder. Go for it. You're a broken people run down. Messed, had, had trials all along the way. There were people, and they were, it was a great day for them. They were graduating. So what do you tell them? Go out and do it. What's going to be different now? Absolutely nothing. Unless they come face to face with Jesus and find out that the merit system doesn't work. The mercy system does. And so he's talking about the law. Anything wrong with the law? Is he criticizing the law here? He says the law is holy and righteous and good. What's the problem? I can't pull it off. I can't make it happen. And when I get discouraged, I'm feeling condemned. Something is condemning me or someone mainly inside of me. You idiot. You fool. You dummy. You're not spiritual. What's wrong with you? And I'm feeling this condemnation inside. I'm not feeling like a son. I'm not feeling like an heir. When I'm discouraged, I'm reverting back from sonship to slavery. Galatians did it. Paul said, he, he's, you foolish, you stupid Galatians. 
That's in the Bible. You foolish. Who has bewitched you? Who has demonized you and pulled you from a place of mercy so that you have a perfect score based on Christ's redemption, and now you're reverting back saying, okay, let's give it a try. It's Jesus plus circumcision, Jesus plus my devotions, plus my church attendance, plus my getting up early, plus my fasting, plus these things can make it happen. And we're, we're saying the cross avails nothing because Jesus said it is finished. In other words, it's all done. And we're adding to that. It doesn't work. And so we feel discouraged. And it's easy for us to, to slip back into that. Well, thank you. You shall in no wise lose your reward. <laughs> so you end up chapter 7. He uses the word prisoner, and he uses the word slave. Now, if I asked if anybody feels more like a slave this morning, we'd get a few responses. Because it's not hard for us to slip back when things don't go right. And thinking, well, I guess I took, I went south when I was supposed to go north. Now, <clears throat> here's my next question. What word is used 22 times in Romans chapter 8? Go for it. <clears throat> Spirit, somebody said. <laughs> you can count them and see what you come up with, but I counted 23 times for law. That, well, I, I, I'm a word counter because I want to know what the emphasis of a passage is. And clearly the emphasis in chapter 7 is on the law. Clearly the emphasis in chapter 8. If you want to have the chapter more significant than any other chapter in the New Testament with regard to the work of the Holy Spirit, it's Romans chapter 8 that talks about the Spirit 22 times and telling us what the Spirit does to enable us to fulfill the law. That the law might be fulfilled in us, not by us, in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So I just want to name a few things that come to us as sons that Romans 8, we're not going to get through Romans 8, we're just going to look at a couple places. I'm talking fast because what we're going to do is we're going to break up then. And we're going to, we're going to look at this theme together. And we're going to ask ourselves the question, am I living the life of the Son? Or, if people followed me around for a week, would they say, you don't look like a son to me. You don't look like, like you feel like you belong, like everything's yours. Like every good and perfect gift just pours down from the Father above. Who in the Bible was a son but felt like a slave? prodigal son, who was a slave, but felt he deserved to be a son, the elder brother. He said, I've slaved for you, never disobeyed your command, you know, wrong, and you never gave me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. He didn't call him father. He didn't have a father. He didn't have the spirit rising up within him saying, I got a father. If you are in Christ, what do you have? You've got the spirit in you saying, da-da, da-da. That's the first word 
Karen and I argue about this. What did they say first, mama or papa? Mama. See, <laughs> the argument's going again. Little kids learn to say that important word. And Abba is not even Hebrew. It's an Aramaic loan word that, that came into the language, and now Hebrews use it. If you're walking down the street in Jerusalem today, you'd hear a little kid running after his daddy saying, Abba, Daddy. How personal can you get? And that's what a son has. He's got a father. I lived, when I was in Hawthorne, as a, a youngster <coughs> through 10th grade, my, my dad's office was right across the, the driveway. And as people came to his office, they would always knock. Who didn't knock? Mom would say, go get dad for dinner. I'd walk in. And for some crazy reason, his eyes lit up. I saw that when I was sitting talking to Larry Christensen. I had a meeting with him. He was my mentor. And his son Arnie came in. And when Arnie came in, he didn't, he didn't knock. He just, and I saw something in Larry's eyes. And I said to myself, I mean, I didn't see those eyes when I walked in. <laughs> Why? Because I'm not a son. But sons have that kind of relationship. It's just there. You can't get around it. You're just loved. You're appreciated. You're valued. You're treasured. You're nurtured because you're a son. Ask me about my sons and daughters. Just ask me whether I like to meet with them. Ask me what kind of riotous time we have to get together. It's not all about work. They work hard. Ask them. They work very hard. But it's not about that. It's about a relationship. It's about love. It's about cherishing. It's about feeling valued and feeling important. That's what God makes us feel through the Spirit. It cries out in our heart, Abba, you belong. You're an heir. You'll never be lost to his love. And so in chapter 8, far from feeling fear and bondage and thankless, far from feeling what Paul was feeling in chapter 7, what do you feel in chapter 8? What are some of the words that are used? It's an incredible chapter. What are some of the words? What, wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't the word conquer be enough? Wouldn't that be pretty glorious? But Paul wants to show how out of the, out of the, off the charts, out of the box this is. He says, we're not conquerors. We are more. What's that? You are more than a conqueror. Why, why would you be discouraged? Why would you be discouraged about your job situation? Why would you be discouraged about your family situation? You are not just a conqueror. You are more. And as that, as that slowly, slowly gets a hold of us, doesn't happen all at once. But it, it wears us down so we come to a place. It's about his great love. Nothing will separate me from it. Nothing. And then he goes through life, death, angels, principalities, powers, things present, things to come, height, death, nothing. He names all the heavies, and he says, nothing will separate me. So, so I got it today. 
I've got it tomorrow, and I've got it for eternity. He says in verse 12, and we'll just look at that, and then you're going to see a miracle this morning because I'm almost done preaching. I, I'm just thrilled. I, we, we said we we're going to have small groups, and we're going to have them. And so I'm just going to look here. Verse 12, therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For you, if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit, by, say by the Spirit, how do we overcome lust? How do we overcome pornography? How do we overcome gossip? By the Spirit. Is it by discipline? No. Try Go back to Romans 7 and see if discipline will get you there. See if grit will get you there. No, but the Spirit will. Every time. By the Spirit. We believe. Lydia House, we believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit to get us from where we, we are to where we want to be. And he lifts his shame. He brings us into his family. And then he gives us power to overcome. We believe that. And the more we believe it, the more we experience it. Because you become what you believe. And then he goes on and says, because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. This is one of my favorite verses, and I'll tell you why. Outside of having life in Jesus Christ, one of the joys of my heart is experiencing the guidance of God. I love to teach on it because he has taught me something about guidance. I often ask him questions now, yes and no questions. Should I do this now? And I hear right away, no or yes. I, I'm being guided because I have the spirit in my body. That's your right as a son. People in the world, they're just bouncing from one thing to the next. They don't have guidance. Sometimes it's not that easy. You know that. And we have to just sit back and wait. He'll guide you. You can trust in him. Because all these promises, they'll be fulfilled. But we experience it. His guidance. How many can think back on the week and think of a, a place, and a way that God guided you this last week? Isn't that wonderful? You need a job, God will guide you. I just prayed for Tanner. He's switching jobs. He needs guidance. We need his guidance. Father, grant it this week to people that need it. Let them know that you are guiding them with your eye upon them. And they can count on it. We're not just bouncing from one activity to the next, hoping we hit on it. We are led by God. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God, you, we prove our sonship in the way he guides us. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you slave again to fear. You received a spirit of sonship. And by him we cry out, Abba, Father. We're going to stop here. And what we'd like to do is break into groups of about six. You can be in a mixed group. You can be in a women's only. If you want to be in a women's only, Karen, would you take, take a group with the gals? And if we have more than enough, then we'll, Linda will we'll take one as well. Yeah. And then, so, so you can get a, just in a group amongst yourself and we have people who raise your hand if, if somebody already asked you to be a leader. I know uh, Joe's a leader, uh, Andrew. So would you guys just stand up and, and move around in different places of the room? And uh, some of you can go toward them. But if I think we probably could use more leaders, okay, 
So just grab some people. You can go, you can go upstairs. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray over you, and we're going to have the benediction now before you leave. And then you're going to go and just have some time, and uh, somewhere around 20 minutes together, and, uh, and you're going to work through this passage, work through and pray for one another, that you will come into your full inheritance and understand what it is in your life to be a, a son. The Lord bless you. The Lord richly bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and grant you his peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So I'm going to watch as uh, groups of four or five. Uh, Joe, you take some. You go that way. Bob's in the back. Here's David right here. Some of you can uh, head over to David. Uh, and uh, Bob, would you take a group? Stand up, Bob. Ryan? Would, yes, we got him. So some of you go with Bob. Some of you go with Karen. Let's see how we're doing here.